I'm excited about how technology is uh, being democratized, how it's plunging in cost. One of our missions is to positively impact one billion people in the next decade. The relevance of a new technology to solving problems that affect like a billion people. All great stuff happens because someone inspires someone else to do something. The next wave of innovation is going to be eroding the territory. How's it, innovators and entrepreneurs? Welcome back to another episode of Exponential Africa, where today we are very, very lucky to be chatting to someone who is at the forefront of the start of Silicon Valley, Peter Hirschberg. Peter has had an illustrious career helping people like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs on their missions in Silicon Valley. And I don't know anyone that has the type of knowledge and stories around how Silicon Valley developed like Peter. Take a listen to this episode. He's had an amazing career and he deals with what is the next city going to be like and how do we innovate in our cities using exponential technologies. Take a listen and I hope you enjoy. None of this would be possible without the incredible support of our partners. Our main collaboration partner is the Development Bank of Southern Africa, who's also our first Singularity U South Africa country partner. The DBSA has a massive focus on how to bring prosperity to all South Africans through infrastructure development, communications, technology, water and energy, and have some incredible projects you'll be hearing about in a few months. Our global partner Deloitte is also a country partner with us, and we have been building an amazing relationship with Deloitte over the last three years. Working with their team has really shown us how Deloitte really does live up to their mantra of delivering impact into Africa and helping their clients transform and be ready for the future. Next is our strategic partner, who is also a country partner and has been on this journey with us for the last three years, MTN. MTN is Africa's largest mobile network and is leading the way in communications, bringing data and communication to millions of South Africans and Africans. Welcome back to another episode of Exponential Africa, where we are fortunate enough to be at the Singularity University Global Summit, and we are chatting with the Silicon Valley legend, one of the godfathers of Silicon Valley, who's been here since the early days, worked with the likes of Apple and Bill Gates. He now has a, has a company called Make a City that, that has, a, has an incredible art and technology platform called Grey Matter. Peter, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, but boy, it's great to be here. And you know, it's great to be with you here at Singularity University, which is so much about both spreading this culture and then learning how it's interpreted locally around the world, because that's exactly where we're at, right? This is, this is kind of like the global change moment. And what started as uh, kind of Silicon Valley culture is now global culture for change quickly. Incredible. I mean, and let's go back to the early days of Silicon Valley. How did this all, this, how did this magic source get created, this, this innovation sort of mindset that came out of uh, this, this area? You know, there's, there's the standard founding myth of Silicon Valley, which is the East Coast did things slowly and kind of in, in a large top-down way, and then the people who were responsible for the semiconductors bolted out of Shockley Lab, became the famous uh, treacherous eight who, who left uh, and started Fairchild, and then Silicon Valley began with this great mix of for the first venture capital and these entrepreneurs. But the interesting thing about that, as much as that set the, the, the tone for, for startups and new companies, in many ways those companies were still doing traditional things and even working for the military industrial complex. In the 1960s and 70s, 
there was another culture out here. The Bay Area was also famous for uh, its resistance culture, its anti-war culture, its music culture, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so you hear that these two cultures, you had the, you had basically the military industrial conference, you know, uh, infrastructure sitting down there in the valley. And then you had all of these people experimenting with drugs and new ideas and openness and freedom. And they met on the Stanford campus. They met, and it was actually in Doug Engelbart's lab and in the John McCarthy's computer science lab where these two things showed up. And these people who were in deliberation discovered the microprocessor, and they're like, how can we make this a tool for individuals, for liberation, for openness and sharing? And it was that strange thing, these two highly diverse urges, that I think led to the open culture um, and the idea that this was a platform for everybody that, that was the seed of things back then. That's often overlooked. Um, Amazing. I mean, it was, it was a birthplace of computing, basically. Well, you know, computing, look, computing got started right after World War II. The, the U.S. birthplace of it was actually Philadelphia, where the whirlwind was built, which was a vacuum tube computer. Oh, wow. But then a lot of it was on the East Coast. It was Boston, and it was, um, it was Boston, it was Massachusetts. But they weren't, they weren't hanging around at night experimenting and, and, and soldering things up and being transgressive. It was the homebrew computer club where Wozniak and, and, and people were back then that were trying to liberate these things. And so it was this notion of liberating stuff. So, I mean, that was one big founding moment, right? The, another thing that I think brought about huge change globally was uh, when the cloud came out. So now we're talking about, um, you know, not just the microprocessor, but now, you know, we're in like 2002, 3, 4, 5 used to be very expensive to start a company, right? You, you had to spend a lot of money on all of your servers and your hardware, and companies were about closed innovation. Yes. If you looked at Silicon Valley 40, 40 years ago, these were silo, separate companies in the suburbs. Every company did their own innovation. Innovation was closed. You don't dare share it with anybody. Shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah. And, okay, there was that culture. Suddenly, the cloud comes out, it takes nothing to start something. You know, two entrepreneurs in Delhi can have an idea, hop on Amazon Web Services, and if it's a good idea, you're using it in South Africa, rough the races. Well, when that happens, suddenly um, this challenges the idea that you have to do it inside of a big company because you, you kind of get the beginning of open innovation. Suddenly then sharing's a very good idea. And then, you know, with, with Web 2.0, right, so now we're talking about 10 years ago, the idea that you had uh, open APIs and services you could hook together. Now you take your best idea and you use other services that are out there, and that changes the equation. So, you know, in the roots of that is still this idea of, of bringing about change and trying stuff that's new, but that's what allows it to flood around the world. Yes. And it's, it's on those rails that singularity rides. Singularity is meeting this need of, you know, oh my God, if we're around the world, what we need are connection points. We need we need arteries, network effects, network effects yeah. where yeah. the ideas can flow, how they can go back and forth, and then how both education and capital can flow. So let me, let me ask you, just to, you've, you know, you've seen these trends, I mean, over, over since, this is going back to, you know, the last 30, 40 years you've mm -hmm. been involved in, in this disruption, in this innovation industry. What are some of the key highlights of, you know, or something that blew your mind in a, in, when, when it came out or when somebody did something that really, like, you know, you thought, like, wow, I didn't see that coming, or... Yeah. You know, oh, I did see that coming, and I can't believe how big it got. Yeah. You know, there was one moment um, about 10 years or so ago, um, San Francisco opened up its data, right? So it opened up the crime data, the transportation data, right? So you could write an app to it, right? The open government stuff. And at our arts organization, Gray Area, we held a hackathon. We invited people in to go take a look at could they build apps that are better for government. And all these people showed up. I'm like, who is this community? Like, 
I'm like, why did everyone take a weekend off to do something completely new? And it was very diverse. You had software people, hardware people, storytellers, urbanists, activists, all sitting around a table trying to, you know, build an app that got the buses running on time better, or looking at crime data to hold the police honest. And th this, this said to me that the open data was an invitation, right? And this suggested that people get, in, get involved in their communities in ways far richer than just either protesting or voting, right? So yes. that, that, was an un, that was completely wow. unexpected. Amazing. And, and now you're spending a lot of your time focusing on what are the future of cities? Where is it all going? Uh, and do you want to tell us a little bit about what Maker, Maker Cities do? Yeah. Well, you're probably familiar with the Maker Movement, right? So the, 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 one of the hallmarks of the Maker Movement is, is the idea that um, like anybody can get involved, create something, and make a difference. So Maker City, we, I came up with this with Dale Doherty, who created the Maker Fair and Make Magazine. Part of it was about the, putting the, the, the emphasis on Maker. Uh, new forms of distributed manufacturing, right? New forms of employment. The idea that that just as as the cloud and personal computing personalize things and, and let you create your own site or your own capacity, so too you could do that in manufacturing. The other side was about city, which is people can get involved and solve problems and create solutions in cities. And we see this at Singularity all the time, right? Uh, prizes that people are working on to go deal with how do you find uh, self sanitation problems, make sewage without, solving sewage problems without sewers, uh, in all of these distributed things. So Maker City really became about that. And the other key thing we realized is that at a time of great change, exponential technological and economic change, around the world people are nervous about the future. Yes. Right? And this is why you see populism rising around the world. So we realized one of the great responsibilities of a city is to prepare its people for the future, right? What's the city good at? What's its unique story? How does it build those kind of industries? How does it attract talent? Amazing. And what, what are some of the points in a city that you're looking at? Like what are the future trends that you're, yeah. that you're actually looking at? Yeah, well, so, so one thing, experimentation matters, right? Uh, so, so a place like Louisville, Kentucky, uh, realized it couldn't compete with Silicon Valley if it just had people write server software because they'd be a startup and they'd move to Austin or Silicon Valley. But they have a big appliance business there. And so working with GE Appliances, they opened a microfactory where people came in and started hacking appliances and coming up with new ideas. And it normally costs like 20 million bucks to bring an appliance to market, but they were doing stuff on Kickstarter. So it built this whole ecosystem on something it was good at to bring in students and people who were cooking at home and part-time people and just makers and entrepreneurs. You're looking for what are we uniquely good at? They had UPS near there. They've started distribution software companies. They also have bourbon, so they've got a whole food business. So you want to kind of look at what's uniquely that you're good at. So experimentation is, is, is a super important thing. Thank you so much for your time. We, we, we've run out of time, but we look forward to hopefully you coming to South Africa one day. That's right. And uh, bringing this knowledge and, the, and this sort of insight to our country. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and got some good, uh, some good meat there. And make sure to like and subscribe and we'll see you on the next one. Keep smiling. Some amazing stories there. Peter's been there since right in the beginning of Silicon Valley. And I hope that you could take some of those stories and use them in your own case, in your own country, to try innovate and develop your city for the future. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels. Have a great day and keep smiling. <laughs>